Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thought had maybe a wit. Indeed, if I had one. I would do better to put a silver bullet. Now stop, said the marrow of his heart peremptorily. If my father Angus has any warning to give me, he can tell it into my own ear. But I will not have that heron shot, whatever he saw. Oh, what do you suppose the poor bird can do to me? Bring your piece here and unload it. Out of the juniper bush and the heather, Lachlan, rising, pulled the fowling piece, and very slowly and reluctantly, removed the priming and the charge. Oh, yet it is an evil bird, he muttered between his teeth. He must know that it is unlucky to meet a heron when one sets out on a journey. Oh, yes, broke in Ewan Cameron impatiently, in the same way that it is unlucky to meet a sheep or a pig, or a snake or a rat or a mouse, unless you kill them, or a hare, or a fox, or a woman, or a flat-footed man, and I know not what besides. Give me the gun. He examined it and laid it down. Now, Lachlan, as you have not yet promised to respect my wishes in this matter, and a gun is easily reloaded, you shall swear on the iron to obey me, and that quickly, for I am getting cold. Startled, the Highlander looked at his young chieftain to see whether he were serious when he suggested the taking of so great and inviolable an oath. But, unable from his expression to be sure, and being blindly, fanatically devoted to him, he obediently drew his dirk from its sheath, and was about to raise it to his lips to kiss it, when his foster-brother caught his arm. No, I was jesting, Lachlan, and you do not keep your beat out very clean. Not clean? exclaimed its owner, lowering the formidable, hiltless blade. Then he bit his lip. Yeglesin, you're right. How came that rust there? A rust? It is blood. Ewan took it from him by its black handle of interlaced design, and ran a finger down it. No, I'm wrong. It was only the early sun on the steel. For the weapon lay across his palm, spotless and shining, the whole foot and a half of it. The dark Lachlan had turned very pale. Oh, give it to me, Machikelin, and let me throw it into the lock. Oh, it is not well to keep it we both saw. What we saw. No, said his master with more composure. It is a good dirk, and too old a friend for that. What I imagined can only have been the memory of the times when it has grelocked a deer for us two. He gave it back. We are neither of us tighter like your father. I forbid you to throw it away, nor are you to shoot that heron. Do you hear? 
if his young chief was not, Lachlan McMartin was plainly shaken by what had happened. He thrust the dirk deep into the heather, as though to cleanse it, before he returned it to the sheath. "'I hear,' he muttered. "'I'll then see that you remember.' Shivering slightly, the young man sprang to his feet. "'Now, as you have forced me to land on this side of the loch, Lachlan, I shall dive off the Craig Rube. A score of times have I meant to do it, but I've never been sure if there were enough water below. And so, if a water-horse gets me, you will know whose was the fault of it. And laughing, disregarding entirely his foster-brother's protests, which went so far as the laying of a detaining hand on his bare shoulder, he slid down the bank, ran along the narrow strip of sand below it, and disappeared round a bend of the shore. A moment or two later, his white figure was seen clambering up the heather-clad side of the red crag, which gave the whole property its name. A pause, then he shot down towards the lake in the perfect dive of the athlete, and the water received him with scarcely a splash. "'The cross of Christ be upon us,' murmured Lachlan, shutting his eyes, and, though he was no papist, he signed himself. When he opened them, the beloved head had reappeared safely, and he watched it till the island once more hid it from his view. Still tingling with his dive, Ewan Cameron of Ardroy, when he had reached the other side of the little island, suddenly ceased swimming and, turning on his back, gave himself to floating and meditation. He was just six-and-twenty and very happy, for the sun was shining, and he felt full of vigour, and the water was like cold silk about him and when he went into breakfast there would be Alison, fresh as the morning, to greet him. A foretaste of the mornings to come, when they would greet each other earlier than that. For their marriage contract was even now in his desk at Ardroy, awaiting signature, and the chief of Clan Cameron, Lochiel himself, MacGaldu, Ewan's near kinsman by marriage, as well as his overlord, was coming to-morrow from his house of Achnacary on Loch Alkig to witness it. Lochiel, indeed, now a man of fifty, had always been to his young cousin elder brother and father in one, for Ewan's own father had been obliged to flee the country after the abortive little Jacobite attempt of 1719, leaving behind him his wife and the son of whom she had been but three days delivered. Ewan's mother, a steward of Appin, did not survive his birth a fortnight, and he was nursed, with her own black-haired Lachlan, by Shawnich McMartin, the wife of his father's piper. No unusual event in a land of fosterage. But after a while arrived Miss Cameron, the laird's sister, to take charge of the deserted house of Ardroy and to look after the motherless boy, who before the year ended was fatherless, too, for John Cameron died of fever in Amsterdam, and the child of six months old became Maki Helene, the head of the cadet branch of Cameron of Ardroy. Hence Ewan, with Miss Cameron's assistance, and Lochiel's supervision, had ruled his little domain for as long as he could remember, save only for the two years when he was abroad for his education. It was there, in the Jacobite Society of Paris, that he had met Alison Grant, the daughter of a poor, learned, and almost permanently exiled Highland gentleman, a Grant of Glen Morrison, a plotter rather than a fighter but because Alison, though quite as much in love with her young chieftain as he with her, had refused to leave her father in exile. 
for the brother of sixteen, just entering a French regiment, could not take her place. Ewan had had to wait for four long years, without much prospect of their marriage. But this very spring, Mr. Grant had received intimation that his return would be winked at by the government, and accordingly returned. And so, there was nothing to stand in the way of his daughter's marriage to the young laird of Ardroy in the autumn. And Alison's presence here now, on a visit with her father, was no doubt the reason that, though her lover was of the same political creed as they, never questioning its fitness, since it was as natural to him as running or breathing, he was not paying very particular attention to the rumours of Prince Charles Edward's plans, which were going about among the initiated. With deliberate and unnecessary splashings, like a boy, Ewan now turned over again, swam for a while under water, and finally landed, stretched himself in the sun, and got without undue haste into a rather summery costume. There was plenty of time before breakfast to make a more ordered toilette, and his hair would be dry and tied back with a ribbon by then. Perukes and short hair were convenient, but, fashionable or no, he found the former hot. When he was Lucille's age, perhaps, he would wear one. Before long he was striding off towards the house, whistling a French air as he went. Between the red crack and the spot where he had rated his foster-brother that morning, Ardroy stood alone now with his betrothed. The loch was almost more beautiful in the sunset light than when its waters had closed over his head all those hours ago, and even with Alison on his arm, Ewan was conscious of this, for he adored Loch Nahollere with little less than passion. So they stood, close together, looking at it, while here and there a fish rose and made its little circle, widening until it died out in the glassy infinity, and near shore a shell-duck, with her tiny bobbing brood, swam hastily from one patch of reeds to another. Presently Ewan took off his plaid and spread it for Alison to sit upon, and threw himself down too on the carpet of cranberries. And now he looked, not at the loch, but at her, his 